0: This is, I think, I was trying to think. This might be the first time I've brought a story that is an animorphs in like two years. <laughs> oh, that's why it's a. That's why
1: it's a. That's why it's the two hundredth episode. Story.
0: <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Spooky guts. Yeah,
1: you fucked up. You can't change it on I, me like I can't that. Say spooky guts. Oh wait,
0: hold on. We already did the sync, right? Yeah. Spooky
1: Guts. Okay, yeah. okay, great, okay.
0: That was the guts, that was the...
1: I know, I I I, 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 listen, you fucked me up with everything, okay? Everything's off right now. Okay, this time I'll say Spooky Guts with you.
0: Okay, here we three, go. Three.
1: three, two, three two, one. Spooky, spooky Guts! <laughs> come on, come all, come gather around. Both lost and found. Grab yourself a drink with a splash of lime. It's David and Michael's story time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a very special 200th edition here <laughs> on Story Time.
0: It feels like such a, a sham, but I, I, yeah, here we are. Well, the one who is a sham man, well, that's David Miller. And the one who's the flim flam artist, well, that's Michael Santel.
1: The flimmiest of arms that you've ever seen. If you can hear the <laughs> spooky noises going on in the background, <laughs> creaky houses, maybe some screaming in the background, David has gone out of his way to prepare a spooky tale here for this special edition of Storytime, the 200th episode.
0: <laughs> I'm laughing a lot because we we kept trying to come up with something to do for our two hundredth episode, and the the best thing we basically could get to actually get together was that just I'm doing a story that is not animorphs, which just which to many of you we I I understand this is like a slap in the face. You you are mad. I'm not doing animorphs. You're upset. You think I've abandoned you. Well, guess what. I have read the next one already. It is... We'll get back on the Animorphs track. Don't you worry.
1: they can deal with their abandonment issues in therapy the way that the rest of us deal with our abandonment issues I am excited for a new tale today
0: yeah. uh, I couldn't believe that you had never like actually gone through the the real story of this story not the real like the true story it's like, Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> the real version of it but like no. like okay so well I I mean obviously they could see the title probably but like well, I'll just say it so I'm not talking around it for nobody uh, uh, we're doing Frankenstein Mary Shelleys frankenstein today now
1: frankenstein i have never read the book right uh, but i do know other famous steins is this about a jewish man
0: uh definitely not oh okay if in he keeps fact kosher, many he times kosher okay many many times they like they're like oh we're like good christian folk <laughs> like this is the whole the whole vibe um yeah we're doing mary shelley's frankenstein which is a book that i read originally back in like high school, which now is like 20 years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was 75 years ago, David. You have a gray in your beard now.
0: Uh, but I've actually, I read this book a number of times since. This is probably, in reading it for this, which really, I picked up the book because I was just in a bookstore and picked up a copy of the book because I didn't have a <laughs> sure. copy anymore and then decided to do it. But uh, uh, this is probably the fourth or so time that I've read the book. Like, So I, I really like this book. It's really good. Um, yeah. So uh, I imagine that, like, of the Frankenstein, like, I think your exposure is probably, and I, I was trying to think of this it, yesterday, it, it's it, Young Frankenstein, right? It's it, just...
1: <laughs> I've seen Young Frankenstein maybe 75 times. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the Universal Frankenstein maybe, like, once. Okay. Like, and I've seen Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein sure. like once, but like sure. no nah, young Frankenstein is my point of reference. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I, I
1: I feel like I've ma- I saw an online review of when uh, Robert De Niro did it he's got a weird Frankenstein movie from the 90s but I, no that's that's all of my Frankenstein okay. I played a lot of Darkstalkers where you could play as Victor and he is a Frankenstein but <laughs> well, that's so it's, different it's,
0: it's that that's a clever little little nod then that they named the character Victor um, so th- just so you know that'll be the like main character's name is Victor Frankenstein.
1: I'm aware of in the movie Van Helsing when they find Frankenstein and he just starts screaming at the top of his lungs. I remember that scene. Is uh, is there a Van Helsing monster, uh, a, a hunter of monsters, in this book as well? Uh, no. Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, uh, definitely not. Um. So okay. Uh. I'm trying to think of like even how to like begin. Oh, I guess we just need to begin with uh, predictions, right? Yeah,
1: we'll start with predictions. Then you'll use play a spooky sound, which will then transition us into the beginning <laughs> of the story. Listen, I know. Well, listen, uh,
0: do you want do you want to know? I have it like written as a preface here to the story. Um, do you want to know like the origin of this story before you uh, do the predictions? We will do that. Tell me that after my prediction. Okay, that's fine. Okay,
1: I know. What has happened in Young Frankenstein. So all of those things are going to happen. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see where the book is different. Um, in terms of our show, I think that God is not involved. God does not allow for these things to happen. God will not show his ugly face in the story. Okay. Um, I think that there will be a daring fight on a bridge or some sort of tall tower where somebody falls from. Sure. And my thing... Third prediction uh, is that this monster has some sort of sexual appetite that gets alluded to. We don't know if we hear about it or not, but there's something stirring under those clothes. <sighs> I.
0: I, I almost want to address that one, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until a, a certain point in the in the story to address wonderful, that one. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, great. Uh, what, do, what do you know about...
1: Do you know... I know that in Wayne's world, they couldn't get the rights to any of Alice Cooper's real songs, so they made them use the song Feed My Frankenstein to then promote the new album that was coming out. That's okay. what I know.
0: Okay. Okay. So do you know the whole bit about, like... The, it shows up on, like, social media and stuff a lot. of The, the whole bit that people custom like, no, so-and-so is the, is the name of the doctor. Yes, like that yes. Thing?
1: Uh, v- Victor Von Frankenstein is the doctor... He the the creature is known as the monster yeah. or whatever as you yeah will.
0: so the yeah the, the big main misconception that the Universal movie basically like made people think is that that is that the the creature or monster is is called Frankenstein when it is not Frankenstein is the name of the person who created the creature right sure um, but he
1: did create him like his father so he could be Frankenstein Jr. Sure, I'm fine with that I will sure, refer to him you, as
0: Jr. We'll, we'll circle back to that at the end of the story and, and we'll ask. You you, do you think that th- do you think that we can say that the creature can be known as Frankenstein Junior? We'll we'll, well, we'll just Great. leave that as an open question for the end.
1: I do know that the author lost her virginity on her mother's grave in a graveyard. Did yeah, you know that
0: she's a spooky lady? Uh... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so talking about the author, Mary Shelley. So, this book originally came to be in like 1816. Like 1818. So in 1816, Mary Shelley and her husband, Percy Shelley. Uh, were like vacationing?
1: Oh, Their brother and sister. <laughs>
0: God damn it! Uh, they're like they're like summering in Switzerland, right? And they end up wherever they're like summering. Whatever the worst is state of places the summer A place well, no, where it's I'm freezing sure, all the time. Well, so so well, you would think. Oh, maybe in the summer it's like warm and nice. It's in Switzerland. Uh, so they they were um, neighbors with uh, Lord Byron, who was uh, like a, a writer and I think a poet. I want to say. Um uh, I might be wrong on that uh but uh they they uh, the summer was a particularly rainy summer, which was mm. a really big bummer for them because they were like stuck inside all the time And at some point someone in their little like group they had like them and Lord Byron and then like a couple other little like fancy European people from the early 1800s, um, they're all kind of like sitting around and someone had a a volume of ghost stories that they kind of like read through together. And then Lord Byron basically pitched a challenge to everyone else in the group with, like, we should write our own ghost stories. Everybody write a ghost story. And this book is the only surviving story from that <laughs> from that challenge.
1: Yeah, it means that there was four bad stories at one. The
0: only uh, completed story, actually, I think, as well. Uh, the others, everyone else, they're like poets and stuff. They're just like, ah, I don't do ghost stories. And they just kind of like abandoned <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> uh, was Mary Shelley known as being a writer? Or was this the first time she had been given a prompt?
0: Uh, I Yes. She's the daughter of like... Um, like, a big, like, feminist writer, I want to say. And and I think her father was also a very, like, artistic or creative, like, a writer or something like that as well. So she, it was, like, her life up until then was all, yes, literature and all of that. Um, uh, uh, originally, when this story was published, it was published anonymously. And then
1: after like, she doesn't, she didn't want that. She didn't
0: want that shade. You know what I
1: mean? She didn't want people thinking that she had these things in her head all the time. Yeah.
0: 15 to 20 years later, uh, she republished it under her name.
1: Mm. Um,
0: and then, and then, so now we know it's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. But up until that point, people were like, oh my God, have you heard this book? Oh, I bet it was written by a very smart man. Yeah. I was about to say Uh, (laughs) there's a lot of that. And then she was like, it's the 1840s. This lady gets her due. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited to bring this to you. It's uh, uh, we should be able to get through it all today in one episode. I'm pretty sure. I, I think I made my notes uh, so that we can do that. Okay. Uh, so here we go. Um, the book begins. Now this is this is crazy because this is kind of like your first, I, in my opinion, or like one of the first instances of like inception. We've got oh, a, okay. we've got a story and a story and a story going on in here. So maybe not the first, because you've given me a bunch of, like, fairy tales that have shit like that. But Yeah, all those <laughs> Russian fairy tales is that guy talking
1: about Ivanovich the cat or whatever.
0: So, the book begins uh, with a series of letters from someone named Robert Walton to his sister, Margaret Seville.
1: Yeah, the famous Waltons. I know that TV show.
0: <laughs> uh, Walton is a wealthy Englishman with a passion for sailing, exploring, and adventuring okay
1: so timely we still live in a
0: world where people adventure <laughs> the don't, world. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> what do you mean david there's adventure happening right now <laughs> uh he's captaining a ship that is heading north like to the north pole oh wow like all yeah. the way now
1: yeah. by the north
0: pole do they just mean like scandinavia or do they mean no, all the way to the, the top pole he wants to go there Nothing uh, which, has, which has has been discovered, but, like, nobody goes... There's, like, maybe... And not all of it has been, like, discovered, obviously. Right. Like, you know? Uh, uh, and, and the way they get there is very uncertain and... <laughs> and very dangerous. Uh, and basically, he's in an effort to achieve, like... The way he says it, like, basically any kind of, like, noble feat. Like, he either wants to find a passage north to the Pacific from the Atlantic, or... Uh, uh, find the source of the Earth's magnetism, or just discover some new territory that he gets famous for. Like Tra- whatever,
1: traditional uh, delusions of grandeur. Yeah. He wants his name very, in the history book.
0: Very English. Uh, okay, so. yeah, he's, he's the white savior of this scientific method. Okay, um, so he's he's captaining this ship that he, he hired all these sailors and hired this ship. He, but he is really lonely. In these letters to his sisters, he's talking about how he has no friends. Yeah, he hired all these sailors, but they're not like his f- friends; they're his employees, if anything, right? Right. Um, so he and he doesn't have someone here that's essentially like got the same kind of mind as him that he can I like
1: totally understand of. that. Yeah. I feel the exact same way on this show. It's not really friends; <laughs> I have an employee. <laughs> I don't really connect with them. We're always on this adventure together.
0: <laughs> so um, his motivation is like really romanticized Like people And he acknowledges like people would say he's a fool for doing this But he's like very confident That he's going to achieve what he is setting out to accomplish Classic white guy And classic also beginning of a horror story <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> right, right, right um, uh, In a new letter like so It's a series of letters So in the next letter um, The ship is stalled Perilously between Huge ice sheets in, like, the Arctic Ocean, right? Like, these, these big sheets of ice that are constantly moving around and shifting and breaking apart and forming together. Um, and so the ship is, like, stuck, like, cannot move for a while. Um, and in the distance, uh, about a half mile or so away from the ship, they spot what looks like, they call it a sledge or, like, a sled, essentially, being pulled by dogs... And a person driving the sled, like, a half mile away from the boat, like, on the ice sheets.
1: On this weird glacier, a human being is there.
0: Well, and they look out, and they can see, even from this half mile away that they are, that whoever is driving this dog sled is fucking huge. Like, the proportions of this person are gigantic. One might even say monstrous.
1: Oh, I was about to say <laughs> LeBron james size, but okay. <laughs> the
0: next... But, the, but you know, that the sled is kind of going uh, away from them, and obviously their ship is not moving, so eventually they lose sight of it. The next morning, um, they find another sledge on an ice floe that comes near the ship. Uh, and on it is another, you know, team of dogs and a person. All of the dogs but one are dead... Like, from exhaustion and cold. Oh, okay. Um, and the, the, the person is, like, barely a person. Like, emaciated, thin, ragged, definitely not the person that they saw the day before, right? Um, and that person still does not agree to board their ship until he hears that they are, their plan is to continue sailing north.
1: So whomever this individual is, he is going north, and he yes. is on a mission to go north.
0: Yes, and he's like, he's, they're like, "Come on this ship, or you're gonna die." And he's like, w- "Are you? Where are you going?" And they're like, "Well, we're we're headed north." And he's like, "Fine, then I'll come on board."
1: Perfect. That's where I was yeah. going. So if you're going that way, I'll go with you. Uh,
0: the classic like old movie. of Going my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except
1: it's very thin, skinny finger.
0: So, the guy is brought aboard, and he collapses almost immediately, and takes, like, days to recover. Yep. Um, And um, then he starts to kind of recover, and Walton kind of starts to, like, care for him. Like, he gets a cabin set aside for him to, like, recover in. Um, And he very slowly starts to make friends with this man. Um, And he notices how, like, utterly despondent and, like, the term he uses is wretched, and just, like, like... Uh, he's, he's, he's so melancholy, like, sad, depressed, like, just awful, all, most of the time. Um, and at times, almost seeming, like, kind of, like, insane, like, mad, um,
1: uh, well, but then, where, but then other
0: times, bounces to being super genial. and, and Yeah, but you know. look
1: look where they found him. You had exactly. to be a mad person to be in that scenario.
0: He's yeah. there with an entire ship of people. He was there with a couple of dogs. And as he kind of starts to talk to him over the course of a couple of days, he, he starts to figure out, this guy is like fucking smart. This is a really intelligent... The way he speaks and the way he thinks is just so fucking smart. Um, and eventually, when he's talking with him, Walton uh, says to him, Uh, How gladly I would sacrifice my fortune, my existence, my every hope to the furtherance of my enterprise. One man's life or death were but a small price to pay for the achievement of, for the acquirement of the knowledge which I sought. Basically, they're talking, and he's talking about his mission to the North and everything. And he's like, look, I don't care if I live or die. If one guy dies, if a couple of us die, but ultimately we we produce this greater knowledge that is like heretofore unknown to man, like, then it's all worth it.
1: He read stories about the Straits of Magellan where all those dudes were eaten by cannibals. He was like, that's the life I want to be eaten on an island somewhere. Get my name in a history book. Uh,
0: And at this point, the stranger becomes very upset and says to him, Unhappy man, do you share my madness? Have you drunk of the intoxicating draft? Hear me and let me reveal my tale and you will dash the cup from your lips. And then, I have in my notes... It's story time. <laughs> oh, great. Okay.
1: Three, two, one.
0: Guts. So Ladies guy, and gentlemen. Yeah. And so this, okay. guy is, is, this guy is writing to his sister and he's like, so I am basically in these letters now going to tell you word for word what this guy said to me in his story. All right. All right. So, a bit of the guy's family background. Uh, the stranger, whose name is Victor Frankenstein. Hey, Victor there Victor he Von is. Frankenstein. Just Victor Frankenstein. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, his parents, uh, we get his parents' story. His dad is, like, a lot older than his mom. His mom was the daughter of his dad's friend. But then the dad's friend died, and then the dad started caring for the mom. And then two years later, they were married. Uh...
1: Sounds exactly like her. My fairy tale sounds like a lot <laughs> like a bunch of uh, step, a lot of step going on.
0: Uh, Victor is born soon after, and when he is about five, the family adopts a young, uh, blonde orphan named Elizabeth. Oh, I bet he could marry her. It is basically assumed from that moment that she and Victor will marry one day.
1: Creepy! Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> um... Okay, so uh, Henry, or or, Henry, Jesus Christ, Victor and Elizabeth, uh, they grow up together as, like, best friends, um, along with Victor's schoolmate and good friend, Henry Clerval. That's Um, where
1: Henry comes in there. Henry
0: Clerval. Uh, The three have a very happy childhood together. They all seem to get along, and they kind of, like, make each other better. It's this classic uh, uh, (laughs) Harry-Ron-Hermione sort of trio, uh, except if Harry and Hermione were supposed to get married and not... Ron and Hermione getting... It doesn't matter. Now, does Henry
1: uh, look like Henry Cavill? Is he also a tall, a very can, tall man? You
0: can picture him that way. He's a very handsome man. He's a very smart. He's very kind. He's like, he's a very like, um, yeah, he's just like a very jolly, good person. And, and, what's and, the, and throughout the book, Victor will often be talking about like how Henry Clerval is just like a ray of sunshine, you know? <laughs>
1: Uh, what is, uh, so it's Henry Cavill, it's Victor Von Frankenstein, Victor and then Frankenstein. who's the And then and the lady? Elizabeth. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: at a young teen age, Victor's mind starts to turn towards science. Uh. Yeah.
1: But this is when science was also magic, right? Like, it's yeah, very it's when,
0: difficult. So, he becomes fascinated with the study of, quote, Natural philosophy, yeah. uh, which is yeah, which is what they called science before they knew to call it science. Yeah, uh, sure, okay, <laughs> the unknown forces of nature, stuff like that. Um, and he starts reading like anything he can find, and basically at, like one, he's like vacationing in some villa or something, and the only books that are there are like old. Oh god, okay. cats. David's cat ruined it. <laughs> Uh, the only books that are there are like old um, uh, like like the writings of like like old alchemists and stuff from like way back we're like okay even at this point science has been like okay this is hokum this is bullshit this is nothing
1: people don't know in the book where what's his name was talking about gravity Newton the uh, the rest of the book is all about like magic and witchcraft and stuff <laughs> like that they go hand in hand
0: uh, when he's 15 uh, he's somewhere and there's a huge thunderstorm. And he, like, witnesses a gigantic oak tree get absolutely obliterated by a lightning strike. Yeah. And he sees it, and he sees, like, the raw power in it, and it's, like, so inspiring. He, like, sees this gigantic strong oak tree, one of the strongest trees, just, like, turned to ribbons in an instant. And he's like, I have to know about that.
1: With these ribbons, was he able to get sweet with Elizabeth? He's like, look, I've got new ribbons from the marketplace.
0: (laughs) She puts them in her hair, and they're so pretty. (laughs) It's very Uh, woody. At age 17, he enrolls for study at um, the university in Ingolstadt, uh, which I believe was in Germany, but I can't remember exactly. He's
1: so smart. He speaks so many languages.
0: Uh, Yeah, and and he's from Geneva. He's Genevan. Oh, okay. Uh, A
1: Genevian.
0: (laughs) <laughs> um, before he could go to university though, uh, he has, uh, what he calls quote, the first misfortune of my life. Elizabeth, what if somebody, Elizabeth dies? No. Elizabeth had caught scarlet fever, which oh, is not no. good in that time. Um, and Victor's mother attended to her like day and night to like help her recover. But then she got scarlet fever too. Elizabeth does recover. Victor's mother does not oh no she was giving her too many kisses shortly before he leaves for university his mother dies uh on her deathbed (laughs) she tells victor and elizabeth that her last hopes for happiness is you have sex on my grave it rests in them getting married
1: (laughs) oh okay well okay not the same
0: but basically like that okay and then and then she dies Um, Oh, no. uh, A couple of weeks of grieving, and then he leaves for college. (laughs) Yeah, he's He's off. He's had
1: his Geneva Convention. He is ready to go out into the world. So is Um, Wild
0: Oats. After arriving, he meets with a professor of natural philosophy, who basically shits on everything that he's, like, read up to this point.
1: All of those books are hokum and nonsense. You gotta be a man of science here in Germantown.
0: Yeah, and that guy's name is Professor Kremp. K-R-E-M-P-E, uh, uh, and basically it kind of makes him consider giving up on this, like, he, he realizes, like, oh my god, I've been, I've been studying the wrong shit, I thought I was starting, like, with such a, uh, heads up, you know, but, uh, I, I a head start, and, and I'm not, I, I'm so far behind, um, but then he uh, attends another professor's lecture, uh, Monsieur Waldman, who says something
1: quote, in French. I assume
0: because he has a Monsieur. I said Monsieur. It's actually M. Waldman, which I think is it's also a German, um, like like Mister. I can't remember what the. Um, oh, okay, it's anyway. better if he, it's better if he's French. Uh, who says, uh, The ancient teachers of this science said he promised impossibilities and performed nothing. The modern masters promise very little. They know that metals cannot be transmuted and that the elixir of life is a chimera. Uh, But these philosophers, whose hands seem only made to dabble in dirt and their eyes to pour over the microscope or crucible, have indeed performed miracles. They penetrate into the recesses of nature to show how she works in her hiding places. They ascend into the heavens. They have discovered how the blood circulates, uh, the nature of the air we breathe. They have acquired new and almost unlimited powers. They can command the thunders of heaven, mimic the earthquake, and even mock the invisible world with its own shadows. Uh, So basically, like... It's just like another perspective on this of like, yeah, all these guys you read have been like more or less proven like that stuff is wrong, but they had like lofty dreams of discovery. And the scientists now are all so focused on these, granted, like great discoveries that will lead to good knowledge, but it's all very like short sighted. So it's like kind of like blending this mix of the two. Um, And it inspires him to like continue on. And he and yeah,
1: just because the past guys got it wrong doesn't mean we should stop doing science. We then need it also more science.
0: Mean, yeah, and it also doesn't mean that you shouldn't read what they experimented with or learned, right? Like, sure. if you read through someone who had a bunch of failed experiments, you now know what doesn't work, right? Like <laughs> That's what Edi- that's
1: what Edison said, right?
0: Right. Um, and it inspires Victor to keep pursuing his, his studies, but he is also advised that he should study all the branches of science. You need to learn math. You need to learn... Uh, Geology, You need to learn, you know, like just all these different branches of science, chemistry, etc. And then you need to hit that tree with a fucking lightning bolt. (laughs) So Victor goes hard on his studies and he makes rapid progress. He's a very smart guy. In my Um, mind,
1: in the movie, this is where we see a montage of him studying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he becomes almost like obsessive, like possessed with just continuing his studies and learning more and gaining more knowledge. Uh, he makes some discoveries on, like, improving chemical instruments and stuff. So he starts to gain, like, some renown in the college. Like, oh, this guy, like, improved, like, how we measure this thing or he whatever. He made a better yeah. beaker.
1: He made yeah, a better exactly. measuring stick.
0: Um, and then he becomes fascinated with, quote, the structure of the human frame and, indeed, any animal endued with life.
1: Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. Endued it, then.
0: Yeah. Uh, So he begins to study anatomy, but that's not enough. He also begins studying, like, death and decay. Yeah. And he describes it here. Bunch
1: of dead squirrels in his room just hanging up from the rafters, just rotten.
0: Darkness had no effect upon my fancy and a churchyard was to me merely the receptacle of bodies deprived of life which, from being the seed of beauty and strength had become food for the worm. Now I was led to examine the cause and progress of this decay and forced to spend days and nights in vaults and charnel houses. My attention was fixed upon every object uh, the most insupportable to the delicacy of the human feelings. I saw how the fine form of man was degraded and wasted. I beheld the corruption of death succeed to the blooming cheek of life i saw how the worm inherited the wonders of the eye and brain i paused examining and analyzing all minutiae of causation as exemplified in the change from life to death and death to life until from the midst of the darkness a sudden light broke in upon me a light so brilliant and wondrous yet so simple that while i became dizzy with the immensity of the prospect which it illustrated i was surprised that among so many men of genius who had directed their enquiries toward the same science that i alone should be reserved to discover so astonishing a secret
1: he looks at listen he is not scared of the spooky things that people are scared of he doesn't look at a graveyard like mm, that's a scary place he's like that is my science yard
0: I succeeded in discovering the cause of generation and life. Nay, more, I became myself capable of bestowing animation upon lifeless matter. Uh, so, yeah, he's figured it out. He knows what gives life to things. I believe it's from it's, my,
1: from minus to plus and plus to minus is what they <laughs> say in Young Frankenstein.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and this is one of those things where, like, the book actually will not tell us. Like, it's not just like, oh, he, like makes a body and then shocks it with electricity and then there we go like it's not necessarily that it's electricity that is the the key in fact it doesn't ever really hint that it is it like just electricity that's and, but very yeah that's very
1: interesting us. which means that there is some sort of alchemical process that the reader is not aware of but it's so simple to Victor he figured it yeah, out he figured and it. then you' only... surprised
0: that no one else has figured it out up till now
1: okay so it's not it's 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 Obtainable. This knowledge is there in front of everyone. He just put the pieces together.
0: Yeah. He decides then, well, he's going to create life. He's going to do it. And rather than start small and make like a fucking worm or something, um, I, in my notes, I put hubris compels him uh, to attempt to create the quote, the perfect vessel. Uh, Mm. he's, he's, he's just going to go jump straight to the head of the line and and make a fucking, he's going to do a head of a lion. He's
1: going to bring a lion to (laughs) life.
0: So he works for months like a madman, um, issuing all social life. Doesn't have any friends. Doesn't have any, go to any parties. He's in college for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, um, he becomes very pale, very thin. He doesn't take care of himself. Uh, he also neglects to, like, be writing to his family and shit. He, like, is just so consumed in his work.
1: He looks like a spooky. He himself has become a spooky person. He looks scary. People look at him and they go, you're a spooky person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then he says, uh, a human being in perfection ought always to preserve a calm and peaceful mind and never allow passion or a transitory desire to disturb his tranquility. I do not think that the pursuit of knowledge is an exception to this rule. If the study to which you apply yourself has a tendency to weaken your affections and destroy your taste for those simple pleasures in which no alloy can possibly mix, then that study is certainly unlawful. That is to say, not befitting the human mind. If this rule were always observed, if no man were allowed uh, any pursuit whatsoever to interfere with the tranquility of his domestic affections, Greece had not been enslaved. Caesar would have spared his country. America would have been discovered more gradually, and the empires of Mexico and Peru would not have been destroyed. So, one stormy night, late at night, he fucking does it. And he, he finishes his work. At,
1: at the college.
0: At the college. He... Uh, in in like a lab in his apartment. He okay. has like all of his equipment and stuff in his apartment in Ingolstadt. Yeah. Uh, he grants life to this like thing he's been creating and building. And he talks about how he's been building it. Like he's been building like sinews and the muscles and stitching together this body. And it's not, again, another one of those things that like the movies and like the kind of the conception is. is like, oh, he just went and got like. Mixed bag of body parts from the graveyard and like stitch them together and I don't the way the book says it is he's like making a a person from scratch.
1: Yeah, so he's going through and like whatever the alchemical processes of putting like he's so you the way you put it he's sewing together like from the bones and muscles. He's putting the whole thing together.
0: Yep. Uh, So then he does it and he grants the thing life. And this is what happens immediately after. Uh, okay, and is this the monster? Is this our monster? Is this a bee monster? Uh, by the glimmer of the half-extinguished night, I saw the dull yellow eye of the creature open. It breathed hard, and a convulsive motion agitated its limbs. How can I describe my emotions at this catastrophe? Or how delineate the wretch whom such infinite pains and care I had endeavored to form? His limbs were in proportion, and I had selected his features as beautiful beautiful great god his yellow skin scarcely covered the work of muscles and arteries beneath his hair was of a lustrous black and flowing his teeth uh, of pearly whiteness but these luxuriances only formed a more horrid contrast with his watery eyes that seemed almost of the same color as the dun white sockets in which they were set his shriveled complexion and straight black lips uh, the different accidents of life are not so changeable as the feelings of human nature. I had worked hard for nearly two years for the sole purpose of infusing life into an inanimate body, and for this I had deprived myself of rest and health. It had, I had desired it with an ardor that far exceeded moderation, but now that I had finished, the beauty of the dream vanished, and the breathless horror and disgust filled my heart. Unable to endure the aspect of the being I had created, I rushed out of the room and continued a long time traversing my bedchamber, unable to compose my mind to sleep. So basically he imbues this body with life and as soon as he sees it's alive, he like, like, the the like, veil drops away, right? And he suddenly is like, oh my god what the fuck have I done?
1: Yeah, he 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 had like a, he, he's like a He's like, he got like horny brain. You know what I mean? Like, it's
0: the, it's the, yeah, it's the, uh, he's he's so
1: singly focused on getting laid in this, in this sort of, I believe
0: the, 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 uh, the, the kind of shitty term for it is post nut clarity. Yes. I
1: believe that this is a post nut clarity. (laughs) He has finally expelled this from his body and now looks at the gooey mess and goes, what the fuck am I doing?
0: He spends all night pacing in the courtyard. So he just left it in on the table. So he spends, yeah, he, so he, he, as soon as it moves, he runs. Uh, so he it's, spends all, all yeah. night yeah, pacing in his courtyard. Um, and in the morning, he just starts walking the
1: town. Walking the town, just like Charles Dickens, trying to work out those
0: thoughts in his brain. Got to exercise them. Uh, he runs into Henry Clerval, who has come also to study at Ingolstadt. Hey, you dumb piece of shit. You got here to here too? And he's, for a very brief moment, he's delighted to see his friend. And all for like just the briefest of seconds, he's like, oh my god, the world was right again because I was with you my friend. You should come back to my apartment. Oh, wait. He does bring him back to his apartment.
1: To go see the dead body? The well, live body? He doesn't
0: tell him about it, no. Uh, uh, and when he gets there, he is uh, relieved. Just so you
1: know, I have a roommate. He's really gross looking. He makes a lot he of noise. He doesn't. No.
0: When he gets to his apartment, he is very relieved to find the creature is not there. Oh, thank God. And he can find no trace of him. Great. Okay. Out of sight, out of mind. At this point, the kind of like rush of all of this sort of fades off and he collapses into like a nervous fever. Yeah. Uh, which lasts for several months. He
1: he, 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 he he went too hard. He went way too hard, burned the wick at both ends. He's barely a candle.
0: Henry Clerval cares for him, uh, and after recovering, Henry gives him a letter that had arrived from Elizabeth while he was ill, but wasn't given to him while he was ill because he, he couldn't handle it. Yeah, right? it's not going to be good. She found a new boy. The letter says that she is worried about him and asks him to write as soon as he can. Uh, it also tells of Justine. It's like, yeah, you remember Justine? That, like, sweet girl who's, like, kind of like a servant in the house, but also, like, a part of the family. She's so nice and everything. Um, uh, well, she's staying back with us now again after her mother died or whatever. Like, that's uh, okay. just, like, some news from home. Some, like, gossip from this family or that family. Um, uh, Victor had always liked Justine a lot. Um, Elizabeth reminds him of how sweet and kind she always was. Uh, and the the letter also talks about Victor's younger brother, William, uh, who's like five, and how great and cute and what a, a beam of sunshine he is. Um, uh, Victor finally gets around to introducing Henry Clerval to some of the professors at the college. It's been months now, but, like, Henry Clerval's here to study. The professors um, are
1: like, yeah, he's been in class for a month. I know yeah. who he is.
0: Uh, uh, but he actually finds it really difficult when he's, like, going to the university to introduce them and stuff to, like, see all these science instruments and stuff because he's, he's, like, getting flashes of the thing he did, you know? Um, Everything
1: is triggering to him.
0: Yeah, um, so he decides to go back and visit Geneva, his home, um, and is waiting for a letter back from his father to, like, solidify the dates that he should come back. Sure. Yeah. Victor and Henry Clerval take a couple of weeks on, like, a little walking tour of the country, uh, like, the countryside. <laughs> He's um, like, bro, you got to get your strength back. We got
1: to get you. We got to yeah, get you in. I, yeah, it literally is like a you. this
0: is a, this is a mental health retreat, like, kind of thing. Um, and upon returning to Ingolstadt, he receives a letter from his father. Um, mm-hmm. But this letter says, Poor young William is dead. Your five-year-old brother. What? He was strangled to death. What?
1: Who strangled him?
0: That's a uh, murder! But, but
1: guess what? I can bring him back.
0: Uh, last Thursday, May 7th, I, my niece, and your two brothers went on a walk in Plain Palais. Uh, (laughs) the evening was warm and serene, and we prolonged our walk farther than usual. It was already dusk before we thought of returning, and then we discovered that William and Ernest, uh, his other brother, I want to say, like, the middle brother, um or a friend, I can't remember, uh, who had gone on before were not to be found. We accordingly rested on a seat until they should return. Presently, Ernest came and inquired if we had seen his brother. He said that he had been, uh, and we inquired if uh, he'd seen his brother. He said that he'd been playing with him and that William had run away to hide himself and that he vainly sought for him and afterwards waited for him a long time, but he did not return. The account rather alarmed us, and we continued to search for him until night fell, when Elizabeth conjectured that he might have returned to the house. He was not there. We returned again with torches, for I could not rest when I thought of my sweet boy had lost himself and was exposed to all the damps and dews of the night. Elizabeth also suffered extreme anguish. About five in the morning, I discovered my lovely boy, whom the night before I had seen blooming and active in health, stretched on the grass, livid and motionless. The print of the murderer's finger was on his neck. Mm, but we can't do kid. anything with fingerprints back in 1818, so, you know. No,
1: it's just a it's just a fuck <laughs> you to the family that it was a human being who did it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Victor leaves immediately for Geneva, um, but it's night when he gets there, and the gates to the city are closed, because that's a thing that happened. Yeah you, yeah, you closed
1: the city gates. Yeah, no <laughs> one's coming in right now.
0: So he walks the woods that night to kind of, like, pass the time and just be thinking stuff. Um, and he actually gets near the spot of William's death, and when he's there, he sees the creature, his creature. Yes, like in the dark, he like looks over a thing, and there's like a flash of lightning, and he sees it's clearly be- his, his
1: beautiful, creature. his beautiful pearly teeth, his long, <laughs> flowy black hair, His
0: gigantic proportions, his hulking mass. Yeah, and the creature is just like staring at him in the dark, um, and he is immediately positive that the creature is the murderer.
1: How did the creature know to go to his family? How that did he a, get there?
0: That is a really good question. Keep it going, David! <laughs> <laughs> so the creature then disappears into the gloominess of the night. Um, finally, Victor gets home in the morning, only to discover that sweet Justine, the the servant girl slash member of the family Justine, uh, has been accused of the murder. Oh, the
1: fingerprint matches. They
0: can match After. it up. After the body was found, a servant found a picture of Caroline, who is Victor's mother, uh, uh, deceased mother, uh, which was last seen in William's possession. Like, William had this picture of Caroline, um, but a servant found that picture in Justine's pocket.
1: Hmm. Real coincidental.
0: Yeah. So, Victor swears to her innocence... But the evidence is all pointing to her, uh, and he refuses to explain why he's so sure it's not her for fear of being labeled insane.
1: Right, right. And he doesn't want to come, he doesn't want to fess up to the crimes And he exactly, has committed. Exactly,
0: exactly. And if it was indeed his creature that did this, then he's the one who made the creature, so whose fault is it, right? Uh, right. So Justine is scared and miserable and confesses to the murder, thinking that it will ease the sentence no 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 just means they're gonna kill you faster sweetheart But she does confide to Elizabeth and Victor that she is innocent. I swear I'm innocent. I would never harm William. Why would you think that, right? And they're like, we believe you. And she's like, thank you for believing me. Then she is executed for child murder.
1: Yeah, well, that's what happens. If you're a child murderer, that's what's fucking happening to you, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not happy that she got murdered incorrectly, but I'm happy that she now knows what happens if you're a
0: child murderer. (laughs) So Victor is now consumed with guilt, right? The thing he created has now led directly to the deaths of two of his loved ones. Uh, Victor contemplates suicide, but does not go through with it uh, because of the further shit that that will leave Elizabeth and his father having to deal with, right? Right. Um, So uh, his father decides to take them uh, all... like. on on a family, on a trip to the family home at Belle Reve. Like, listen, we need to get out of Geneva. We need to get out of this place where this young boy was murdered and Justine was put to death. Like, we need to get out of here, get to the countryside, get some fresh air. Uh, Victor wanders around in melancholy for a while out there in the pretty scenery. Um, and he gets some brief comfort from, like, the natural beauty of nature. Um, but then the sadness returns, so he decides to, like, travel to a nearby summit. Like, hoping that, like, the grand vistas and just majesty of nature will like lift his spirits and and give him strength he wants Um, to do a
1: little 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 scenic rock climbing yeah
0: yeah uh he reaches the top and is momentarily soothed but then he sees something huge loping toward him at incredible speed up the other side of this like summit is it a bigfoot or a yeti it is his creature oh no i thought it was a yeti It approaches him, uh, and Victor tries to attack it, but it is so big and fast, it has no problem, like, evading him and dodging him, and it, like, it is child's play to...
1: He has created a Superman!
0: Victor tells it to go away and starts, like, cursing at it, (laughs) but it speaks to him, and it very eloquently asks him, Hey, follow me to a nearby cave. I have a fire set up. Hear me out. Hear my story.
1: This is a story within a story within <laughs> a story.
0: Yeah, and and I cannot stress to you enough that when we first hear this creature speak, he speaks with as intelligent uh, a mind as like Victor himself. He he's, not, he's not. Very, a, he's, not he's, a, he's not a. He's not. He's not a dumb, dumb dumb monster. He's a smart <laughs> smart monster. Exactly. Uh, so Victor is like, okay. I guess I'll follow you. I can't kill you. You're not going to leave me alone. So he follows him to this cave. He sits by the fire and the creature then tells him his story from when he was created till now.
1: Uh, Blues can do. We can do David. Go to the next story.
0: So, when he was created, he was confused. He knew nothing (laughs) about anything and about what was happening, just basic sensations. Like, he opened his eyes and was like, ah, light! Like, you know, and then had to, like, shut his eyes and then had to figure out that, like, opening your eyes meant seeing things, but also having light and shutting them meant not. And he felt cold. He got up off the table and he... he. Saw that he could move around and that things weren't really a problem for him. He was super strong, so he could, like, move shit aside. But he felt cold, so he found clothes, and that helped. So, like, he took clothes from the apartment, and then he ran out into the night. Uh... <laughs> just
1: like Neo in The Matrix. When he gets out, Morpheus tells him, you've never used your eyes before. It's the yeah. first time he's using his eyes.
0: So he gets out into the wilderness, um, and he slowly discovers the world around him through, like, just this sort of process. Like, light, cold, warmth hunger, like all of these things, eating things. He, he he finds like a campfire that someone had left with like the embers still burning. And he's like, oh, this is warmth. This is nice. And then he touches the ember and he's like, ow, that's too hot. That's not good. And then he figures that out. He fires out- he figures out how to keep fire going by, like, feeding it wood. He figures out that you can cook food and it tastes better. Like, sure. he starts piecing all these things together. Well, and this is another thing. Like, yeah, he burns himself on the fire. And that's where the movie is like, great, fire, bad. Uh, Frankenstein, hate fire. But actually, he's fine with fire. He's, he's Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's kind um, of a
1: scientist. He kind of, like, has had to figure things out through trial and error through the scientific know? method.
0: Uh, what a great uh, comparison you've now made. Um, so in search of food, he enters a hut. He like finds a little hut and there's an old man in that hut who at the sight of him flips out and yeah. runs from the hut.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A giant monster. A, yeah. A giant hulking mess has just walked into his hut. Well, okay. I get it. And,
0: and I, I may not have done it justice, but the way that Victor describes this creature is that like the, the sight of his face, like he is so grotesquely ugly. Like, it is, it is, like, a literal horrifying sight to behold. You know how we're playing that, like, that new D&D game that we're playing where sometimes you see something scary enough you have to make a fear check? Yes. D- this guy in, is, gives people a fear check with, like, a minus two. Like This is a, not you know. the right
1: time to ask this question. Can <laughs> I make other people fearful if I make illusions of fearful things? Can I make people roll that shit, too?
0: Uh, possibly.
1: I'm trying to figure out how we're going to fight that big monster, and I feel like I'm just going to summon an asteroid or something in the sky that they think is going to hit them.
0: You don't know. You don't okay. know. Okay. Uh, so, the old man in the hut runs away from the creature. He then enters a village and gets uh, basically the same reaction from everybody in the village. Ah! Uh, monster! And they all run <laughs> yeah, away. Yes. Um, and so he resolves, fine. Fuck people. I'll avoid people then. You know? Yeah. So he starts wandering the wilderness and he finds a little hovel like next to a cottage like a small little cottage in the in the in the in the woods. Um and in the morning he finds that he can like see and hear into the cottage through like a hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Um and that cottage is inhabited by three people, an old blind man and then uh two younger, a young a younger man and a younger woman. Okay? Um he kind of starts observing them, uh, spending a lot of time in his hovel and observing them. And then uh, he starts to figure out they seem to be pretty generally unhappy. But he like can't he doesn't know why. And then one day he kind of figures out, oh, it's because they're poor. Like oh. they're in they're in poverty. They yeah. they don't yeah. have a lot of food. It's yes. cold. Like they yes. they're all, the, all yes
1: all the things that make life difficult.
0: He's he's seeing that like pain of just life on their faces and it's like Why, what is what is wrong what's happening? Oh, they're not people of means. Sure. Um so he then feels guilty for contributing to their poverty because he's been stealing some of their food now and then.
1: And they and they, and they don't have much. And they don't food. have much. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he stops taking from them. Um, and then he even tries to lessen their burden by, like, when they go to sleep at night, he, like, creeps out into the woods and, like, does chores. He, like, cuts wood, and he, like, gets things together, and he gathers food and puts it I was about place. to say, do
1: they ever find, like, a deer just, like, choked yeah. to nothing or something? Kind of, yeah. Okay. That's very uh, nice of him.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and he notices that it seems like they enjoy getting these gifts. Uh, <laughs> so he's like, cool, I'll keep doing that. He then notices... That they communicate with each other using sounds, and he starts trying to match the sounds they're making to the actions they're doing or the things they're feeling.
1: Bread.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he starts to get a very basic, (laughs) (laughs) a basic understanding uh, of their language, including the names of the younger two, Felix and Agatha. Oh, Um, he admires that they seem to be like good-looking people, I guess. Not um, a monstrous but, fucking thing, But mostly, I mess. think it's, yeah, it's that, because he sees his own reflection in, like, water. And, and it like, spooks oh. him. He goes, ah! Yeah, yeah, he has to do his own fear check. <laughs> um, so he spends all winter like that, in hiding, kind of doing this sort of pattern. Spring arrives, uh, and with it, the people are still unhappy, but one day, a beautiful woman arrives to see Felix. Um, and the creature notices how happy Felix is to see her. And she moves into the cottage with them. Um, but does not speak their language. So they start to teach her their language. And because he can listen in on that.
1: And she's, and she's like, brah, brah, yeah. bread. Oh, okay.
0: So then he really starts to learn their language more than just these basics. Um, he then notices just how much brighter she seems to make the cottage. everything everyone's happy now that she's here. things are better. Um, they're still poor, but like life has gotten a little bit sweeter with with her addition. Um, uh, the creature also learns to read. How? Uh, he found uh, she learned to read, but then also he like stole a couple letters and books and stuff and like so like as she's learning to read he learns to read sure um he also because of the stuff that like they're learning from like little like books because you don't have a lot, ton of books and whatever so you just learn you don't have like a book about learning to read you have a book about history that you right. learn to read from so he learns a little bit about history and society and that he just actually might be a very unique monster <laughs> Like, doesn't seem to be stories or any word of anything like him anywhere.
1: He is a unique individual in the world, and there is no tales of other beings like him.
0: Yeah. And he feels super lonely and isolated. He learns the backstory of the cottagers. In short, they were rich uh, Parisians. And uh, Safi's father... Safi is the beautiful woman who, like, showed up. Uh, Safi's father was a Turkish merchant who was falsely accused and arrested for a crime. While visiting the prison, Felix fell in love with Safi. They coordinate an escape uh, and help an escape effort for her father, which was successful. But they were discovered in aiding that prison break. And were exiled from France. And they lost all of their riches. It's all Uh, back in France. And in exchange for the help, the Turkish merchant had promised Safi as a wife to Felix. Okay. Okay. Um, Safi's father tried to go back on his deal with Felix and force her to go back to Constantinople and marry some Turkish guy. And she's like, no, that's just like slavery. And escapes from him and makes her way to this cottage in the countryside where then she is reunited with Felix. Hey, Um, Yeah, Uh, so one day uh, the creature finds a leather satchel in it with some books and he reads them (laughs) uh, to try to learn more. He's particularly affected by Paradise Lost because he doesn't know it's a fictional tale. He thinks
1: that's that's really what's happening in the world.
0: He then gets an idea and he looks through the pockets of the coat that he had taken from when he first woke up in Victor's apartment.
1: So he hasn't put his hands in these pockets for months. Well,
0: whether he has, there's letters in there, but now he can read. Got it. Okay. Uh, so he reads them and he comes to learn the circumstances of his creation and how disgusted his creator was with him.
1: Yo, no. He read all the shit. He read all the shit talking.
0: Because they're like his journal. It's like his journal and stuff. Right. Uh, so he decides to try and reveal himself to the people, hoping that they can see past his deformities. He waits until Felix, Agatha, and Safie all go on a long walk and then enters the cottage and begins talking to the blind man.
1: Okay. Uh, who, oh, because he can't who, see. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, and he starts to explain his situation and kind of ask for help. And the guy's like, Of course, anything I can do to help, I'm happy to help. And he starts to gain sympathy. And then Felix comes back, freaks the fuck out, and drives the creature from the cottage. Monster! Then they all abandon the cottage because there's a monster around. Yeah, here.
1: there's a monster in the woods. What are you supposed to do? You have to run away.
0: The creature decides, basically, fuck all people. I don't. Whatever all humans suck, especially my creator.
1: Mm, Fuck my creator. For
0: creating me. Yeah, everyone
1: hates their parents. (laughs)
0: Uh, So he begins a months-long journey towards Geneva, which is where he knows Victor is from, from those journals. Um, On the way there one day, he sees a little girl by herself slip into a stream and start to drown. uh, And he saves her. And he pulls her from the stream, and then the man who was, like, accompanying this little girl thinks that the creature is attacking and shoots him, uh, and so he flees from there with a bullet wound in his shoulder. Does and he bleed?
1: Like, can he? Can he die again?
0: I mean, it definitely. He feels the pain of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So <laughs> he's like exactly my point. Humans suck. I even tried to help one, and it didn't matter. Um. So he recovers. Uh, And he continues on nearing Geneva, and when he gets close to Geneva, he encounters William, Victor's young brother. And after a short conversation, William mentions his father, Alphonse Frankenstein. At the name Frankenstein, the creature flies into a rage and strangles the kid to death. Yeah, when people hear the term Frankenstein, they freak the fuck out. He takes the picture that the boy had been holding. He said it. He set that lady up. And he sees a barn nearby where a young woman is sleeping. And he slips the picture into her pocket. And that was Justine. He then finishes his story to Victor. And he pleads with Victor, please, everything that I've done is because I'm so awfully, despicably lonely. Like, I'm desperate. Please make another one like me that I can have someone as a mate. Make me a female me. Right. He wants to get himself a lady from Turkey, too. So this is where you said you think he's going to have like, a, like a, a sexual appetite. And it's like, it's not a sexual appetite that he's talking about. It's like literal like companionship. Yes. But, yeah. Um, and he promises, if you do this, I will take her and we will go to the jungles of South America, far away from any people. No human being will ever see us again.
1: Except for the people of South America who believe that there's now a monster <laughs> lurking in their woods, but okay,
0: uh, uh, I Victor, feel like
1: he's gonna say no.
0: He like doesn't want to do it again.
1: He like hates the process.
0: True, but he does eventually agree. He essentially gets convinced because this creature is so eloquently spoken. Um, yeah, and he's also a murderer. You
1: know what I mean? He like murdered his little brother. So like, I don't and he know. also
0: tried to fight this guy already and couldn't do anything. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so the creature says, "Okay, great. I will be watching you." Don't worry about contacting me. When it's done, I'll show up. Ooh, just like Batman. And then Mm -hmm. lightning flashes and he takes off. He's like, how does he do that? So for a while, Victor puts off doing it, even starting to have doubts about agreeing to do it. But he realizes he's going to have to travel to England to, like, get some information, talk to some other scientists. I presume because the the way I have it in my notes is maybe because making a girl is different or harder. I, like, I don't know. You know. Well, they have a lot he's of He's also por- not married, so he yeah, they, is they, probably unfamiliar.
1: He has a, they got a lot of hormones inside of there, and he might be confused when he's like, <laughs> where's the penis?
0: <laughs> so his father notices how troubled uh, Victor is and asks if his, is, if his impending marriage to Elizabeth is the reason he's so miserable. Like, maybe we've been p- putting so much pressure on you to marry Elizabeth your whole life. What if you don't want to? Like, I'm asking you for the first time, basically. And Victor's like, no, actually, the prospect of marrying Elizabeth is my sole source of joy.
1: Ugh, okay, she's dead.
0: <laughs> and the father is like, well, then let's not wait. Let's get you guys married. But Victor is like, no, I could not start that chapter of my life while still having this obligation to the creature, like, hanging over me. No, I need to go to England first. I'm going to do that first. So he, he arranges for a two-year tour to do so. Uh, it's Why gonna, so it's gonna, long? It's going to take him two years to like travel around England and get all the information he needs and make this creature. it I took him two years to make the first guy, right? Like, yeah,
1: and I guess he had he was able to get all that stuff in the major cities, so they had that stuff, so okay.
0: Yeah, so yeah. Henry Clerval agrees to go with him on this, this two-year trip. Thanks, Henry Cavill. What a, what a buddy. Um, and after traveling around England and Scotland together, uh, Victor wants to finally get to work. Uh, And he urges Henry to stay with an acquaintance in, like, a Scottish town, and then he goes off himself to, like, a very remote island uh, uh, to, like, set up a lab in a little tiny shack on this, like, barren rock that has, like, no more than, like, 15 people living on it, you know? Sure, sure. Um, And he sets up this lab, and he has to stop working a lot. Like, he'll be working on the creature, and then because it's, like, just so grotesque and, like, like unholy to him he has to like stop and like take breaks
1: yeah he needs you gotta take a breather you gotta take a ten.
0: so one night he's working and victor starts thinking what ifs like what if they don't actually leave to south america what if they start having children and quote a race of devils is loosed upon the earth i believe
1: they're referred to
0: as the nephilim david (laughs) (laughs) and in a uh he looks up Um, and he sees the creature like in the window like watching him work and smiling a really creepy smile Uh, and so in a passion he destroys his work in progress
1: you son of a bitch you fucking asshole that is just gonna make the monster furious
0: the creature flips out I picture he just takes the whole shitty shack and just flips it over so the monster says to him uh, so the monster saw that de- my determination in my face and gnashed his teeth in the impotence of anger shall each man cried he find a wife for his bosom and each beast have his mate and I be alone I had feelings of affection and they were requited by detestation and scorn man you may hate but beware your hours will pass in dread and misery and soon the bolt will fall which must ravish from you your happiness forever are you to be happy while I grovel in the intensity of my wretchedness you you can blast my other passions but revenge remains revenge henceforth dearer than light or food i may die but first you my tyrant and tormentor shall curse the sun that gazes on your misery beware for i am fearless and therefore powerful i will watch with the wiliness of a snake that i may sting with its venom man you shall repent of the injuries you inflict It is well, I go, but remember, I shall be with you on your wedding night. He's a daredevil.
1: He has no fear. If you have, if the man without fear, what do you do? Nothing makes him fearful.
0: But he promises to visit him on his wedding night. Uh, And so, and then he leaves. Uh, The next night, Victor gets a letter from Henry Clerval, who's like, hey, I'm fucking sick of staying in this Scottish town. Let's continue our journey, please. Um, and so Victor's like, okay, so late at night, he packs all of his equipment up, and he gathers the remains of this second creature, and he takes a small little rowboat out into the ocean, and he dumps the remains, weighing it down to be lost forever. Sure. Right? He then falls asleep in the boat. Like, he goes to rest just for a second, and he falls asleep in the boat. And when he wakes up, he finds that the wind is keeping him from being able to return to shore for a long time. And he thinks to himself, like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die out at sea.
1: Right. That's exactly what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, But then the wind shifts, and he ends up being able to land on the shore near a small town. Um, and there 's a group of townspeople like on the shore, and they kind of greet him as he lands, but they 're very rude to him. they greet him not with warmth and kindness, and they immediately accuse him of murdering someone the day before and he 's like it wasn't me, it was not me and, well, and it 's just like no it 's not me like i 've been out on a boat i was uh, it very clearly wasn't me uh and he 's taken to the town magistrate witnesses had found a body on the beach and just before finding it saw a boat in the water that was very similar to Victor's. Oh no, the body he was working on went to the shore? The magistrate orders that the body is brought before Victor to see if he has some kind of emotional reaction to seeing the victim and maybe that'll give him away as the murderer or something. Is it Henry Um, Cavill? When the body is brought in, Victor Frankenstein is horrified to find that his friend, Henry Clerval...
1: Oh, he's been killed by the monster!
0: ...is not only dead, but he can clearly see the black finger marks on his throat, just like his brother William. Mm. Victor immediately, like, has a seizure and, like, falls to the ground and has another one of those, like, nervous fevers for two months where he's just, like, not there he's not present right do
1: they interpret this bout of madness as he is the murderer or obviously this is not if you responded this way you're not the murderer
0: so the magistrate actually does take show compassion on victor um he has him kept in prison but he does have him cared for by like he hires someone to come in and like a woman to like come in and like care for him give him medicine or whatever sure um
1: she hits him with a stick of she actually is
0: kind of rude like when he finally like snaps out of it and he's like oh my god what happened where am i and she's like uh you're fuck you like and then yeah of course yeah um so uh the magistrate then tells victor that he has a visitor and victor's like fuck it's the creature he's gonna come like brag to me about how he killed my friend it's his lady it's his father
1: Oh uh, yeah! Who
0: who heard about everything going on and came right away, um, and stays until Victor is released because they have a lack of evidence to prove that he is who killed Henry Clerval.
1: Yes, yes, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> so they go back to Geneva. Uh, he gets a letter from Elizabeth on the way, reaffirming their feelings for each other. Excited to see you. Excited you're on your way home. So sorry about Henry.
1: So sorry uh, about your friend. You've been gone for two <laughs> years. Maybe
0: get your ass home. Getting the letter from her, though, reminds Victor of the creature's threat, that I will be with you on your wedding night. He can't thing. marry her. He's got to run away. He resolves, basically, that the creature will show on his wedding night to, like, fight and kill Victor, he assumes. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, great. Well, then, let's just fucking do it. Let's just end this then and there. Set let's up a trap. Get, let's, let's get this done. Trap house. Um So he goes home and he starts planning the wedding. Uh, Elizabeth is worried about Victor because she can see that like something's on his mind and he promises everything will be better after the wedding everything will be better after we're married I have a terrible secret but I cannot tell you until after it's done so until after the wedding but then I promise I will tell you and we will be able to start our new life clean and fresh
1: that's exactly what people want getting into a marriage lots of baggage from the past <laughs>
0: So he's becoming super nervous about it. The wedding arrives, and they marry. Uh, they depart the wedding to a family cottage to spend their wedding night. Yep. Uh, at the cottage, they take a walk, um, but he can't think anything of anything else uh, except, like, this impending fight with the creature, right? He's, he's not, like, he's looking the, around every corner. He's, he's, not, he's not in not the moment.
1: He's not yeah. in the moment.
0: So they go back to the cottage, uh, or, like, the inn, um, and he worries that the sight of the creature and his fight with it will, quote upset elizabeth uh (laughs) so he tells her to retire for the night while he has some things to finish up right so she goes to the bedroom and he starts wandering around the inn kind of like looking for the creature like okay where are you motherfucker you're gonna jump out here at some point tonight i know you are i'm ready for you then prepare yourself when suddenly i heard a shrill and dreadful scream it came from the room into which elizabeth had retired as i heard it the whole truth rushed into my mind my arms dropped the motion of every muscle and fiber was suspended i could feel the blood trickling in my veins and tingling in the extremities of my limbs this state lasted but for an instant the scream was repeated and i rushed into the room great god why did i not then expire why am i here to relate the destruction of the best hope and purest creature on earth she was there lifeless and inanimate thrown across the bed her head hanging down her pale and distorted features half covered by her hair Everywhere I turn, I see the same figure, her bloodless arms and relaxed form flung by the murderer on its bridal bier. Could I behold this and live? Alas, life is obstinate and clings closest to where it is most hated. For a moment only did I lose recollection. I fell senseless to the ground. Um...
1: Mm, he had another one of his panic seizures.
0: Yeah. Uh... <laughs> When he comes to, he's in another room, surrounded by people from the inn and all the hubbub. You know, a woman is dead, so everyone's kind of, like, dealing with this. Uh, He gets up and he goes into the room where her body is. I rush towards her and embrace her with with arger, but the deadly languor and coldness of the limbs told me that what I now held in my arms had ceased to be the Elizabeth whom I had loved and cherished. The murderous mark of the fiend's grasp was on her neck, and the the breath had ceased to issue from her lips while i still hung over her in the agony of despair i happened to look up the windows of the room had before been darkened and i felt a kind of panic on seeing the pale yellow light of the moon illuminate the chamber the shutters had been thrown back and with a sensation of horror not to be described i saw at the open window a figure the most hideous and abhorred a grin was on the face of the monster he seemed to jeer as with the with his fiendish finger he pointed toward the corpse of my wife i rushed towards the window and a pistol from my bosom, fired, but he eluded me. left from his station, and running with the swiftness of lightning, plunged into the lake. Um, so he returns home and tells his father what just happened.
1: All right, Dad, I got, I got, I got, I got
0: some stuff I got to tell you about. He doesn't tell him about the creature. He just tells him that Elizabeth has been murdered.
1: And he's like, and at this point, people assume he's a murderer, right? Everywhere he goes, murder follows him. <laughs> uh,
0: his father. A few days later, dies of grief.
1: Not with black fingernails or anything, no, just
0: He just... just dies from sadness.
1: I bet the monster was looking at the window and caused him a heart attack, but that's yeah. conjecture on my part.
0: <laughs> I, I like to think of it that the monster was about to kill him and then he died of natural co- of like grief, and then the monster's like, oh, uh, never mind. And he kind of looks around <laughs> looks around the room and just like knocks over a vase and then leaves. <laughs> I'll have
1: my revenge on this vase.
0: So Victor finally tries to tell the magistrate of Geneva about this creature. He's like, I gotta fucking tell someone now. So he goes to the cops. Or the judge, really, the magistrate. Um, and the magistrate is like, I, I can't help you. Uh, he's either gone by now or, by your own description, too much for me to deal with.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. Not, not, not my monkey. Not my circus. This is a you problem.
0: Victor vows to do it himself. Uh, And he sets out on a months-long journey tracking the monster across the countryside. Uh, And he... he... (laughs) It's so fucking, it's so good. So he he figures out eventually that the monster is, like, leading him. Because he's like, oh, the tracks and shit he's finding, yeah, the monster's leaving that on purpose. Because every now and then, he'll find, like, he'll be getting, like, oh, he hasn't had any food in a really long time. He can't really find any food or whatever. He'll find, like, a bunch of fish caught, hanging, and ready for him with a note that's like, hey, keep your strength up. You gotta come catch me. Like, just taunting notes and clues. And then every now and then, help. Which is like... Such a like, or well, like you know, like leaving him food and shit is like such a oh, such right. a kick in the ribs to this yeah, guy, you know. Yeah,
1: that he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, he's, I hear he's you. He's playing with you. him.
0: He's toying with him. Yeah, and, and keeping him, leading him somewhere. So he follows him for months and months northward. Yep. Uh, and eventually, we catch up to where we were with Robert Walton on the ship, where he was trying to chase him across the ice. And basically got himself trapped on that ice floe and, and all
1: besides that. the magistrate, the judge guy, yeah. Walter Goggins is the only other person <laughs> that has been told this yes. tale.
0: Yes. Because, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> Walton Goggins, uh, because Robert Walton uh, had like, kind of shown that same early spark of like, I don't care what it costs, knowledge is the most important thing. Right? And
1: he also saw the monster. Like he has had visual con. They saw the whole thing. Oh, they saw him
0: on the. Yeah, from far away they saw him. Yeah,
1: but he still saw the the thing.
0: Yeah. So Walton takes back over telling the story at this point in more letters to his sister. Um, Victor, who's very weak, asks him, please continue my quest for vengeance should I die. Oh, wow. That's a big ask of somebody. It it sure is. It sure is. Uh, The men of the crew come to Walton and demand that once the ship is free of the ice and able to move again, we turn this fucking thing around and go home. Yeah, 100%.
1: What are we doing up here? We're almost dead up here.
0: It's a miracle the ship wasn't crushed by the ice coming together, right? Like, if we get out of here, we need to leave, not press forward. Those icebergs, man, they ruin boats. Victor speaks up up with an impassioned speech (laughs) about valor and honor and shit. Um, Uh, I'll give you the reaction of the guys on the boat. Fuck you, we wanna go home! Actually, he does convince them oh. to be able to push forward, but then two days later, they they have post nut clarity yes. and they go <laughs> And they go, oh no, fuck this. And, and they demand again yeah, we need to go. They were around. down
1: for adventure for 24 hours, got cold and hungry, are <laughs>
0: like, we're going home. And reluctantly, Walton agrees this time. He's like, this whole ship doesn't want to do the mission anymore, I, they're going to kill me and just turn it around anyway if I say no, right? Like So, okay. So right before it's time to turn around, Victor dies. Miserable and sickly, in the ship, full of regret, not accomplishing his revenge mission.
1: Really a, a, a wasted life all around. Everyone yeah. he touched died, all of his yeah. best friends. Just truly a, a man of ruin.
0: Yeah. Uh, Walton hears a noise in the cabin where the body, where his body is being kept. Um, and he runs to investigate. Uh, and it's very funny in the letters, he's like writing a letter to his sister and then goes like, hark, what is that noise that I hear? Hold on. I'll be right back. (laughs) And then like the letter resumes with like, oh my God, I have something to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) What a weird thing to write down. It's very funny. what,
1: what What stream of consciousness he was writing
0: i entered the cabin where where lay the remains of my ill-fated and admirable friend over him hung a form which i cannot find words to describe gigantic in stature yet uncouth and distorted in its proportions as he hung over the coffin his face was concealed by long locks of ragged hair but one vast hand was extended in color and apparent texture like that of a mummy when he heard... Uh, the Dark Universe. Uh, the Dark Universe! <laughs> <laughs> when he heard the sound of my approach, he ceased to utter exclamations of grief and horror and sprung towards the window. Never did I behold a vision so horrible as his face of such loathsome yet appalling hideousness. I shut my eyes involuntarily and endeavored to recollect what were my, what were my duties with regard to this destroyer. I called, him, I called on him to stay. He paused, looking on me with wonder, and again turning towards the lifeless form of his creator, he seemed to forget my presence, and every feature and gesture seemed instigated by the wildest rage of some uncontrollable passion. That is also my victim, he exclaimed. In his murder, m- uh, my crimes are consummated. The miserable series of my being is wound to its close. Oh Frankenstein, generous and self-devoted being, what does it avail that I now ask thee to pardon me? I, who irretrievably destroyed thee by destroying all thou loved. Alas, he is cold, and he cannot answer me. I was at first touched by the expression of his misery, and yet, when I called to mind what Frankenstein had said of his powers of eloquence and persuasion, and when I again cast my eyes on the lifeless form of my friend, indignation was rekindled within me. Wretch, I said, it is well that you come here to whine over the desolation that you have made. You throw a torch into a pile of buildings, and when they are consumed, you sit among the ruins and lament the fall. Hypocritical fiend, if he whom you mourn still lived, uh, still would he be the object. Again would he become the prey of your accursed vengeance. It is not pity that you feel. You lament only because the victim of your malignity is withdrawn from your power." oh it is not thus interrupted the being yet such must the impression be conveyed to you by what appears to be the purport of my actions yet i seek not a fellow feeling in my misery no sympathy may i ever find when i first sought it it was the love of virtue feelings of happiness and affection with which my whole being overflowed that i wished to be participated but now that virtue has become to me a shadow and that Happiness and affection are turned into bitter and loathing despair. In what should I seek for sympathy? I am content to suffer alone while my sufferings shall endure. When I die, I am well satisfied that abhorrence and opprobrium should load my memory. Once my fancy was soothed with dreams of virtue, of fame, and of enjoyment. Once I falsely hoped to meet meet with beings who, pardoning my outward form, would love me for the excellent qualities which I was capable of unfolding. I was nourished with high thoughts of honor and devotion. But now, crime has degraded me beneath the meanest animal. No guilt, no mischief, no malignity, no misery can be found comparable to mine. When I run over the frightful catalog of my sins, I cannot believe that I am the same creature whose thoughts were once filled with sublime and transcendent visions of beauty and the majesty of goodness. But it is even so. The fallen angel becomes the malignant devil, the Nephilim. He doesn't say the Nephilim. I added that. Uh, (laughs) Yet even that enemy of God and man had friends and associates in his desolation. I am alone. You who call Frankenstein your friend seem to have a knowledge of my crimes and misfortunes, but in the detail which he gave you of them, he could not sum up the hours and months of misery which I endured, wasting in impotent passions, for while I destroyed his hopes... I did not satisfy my own desires. They were forever ardent and craving. Still, I desired love and friendship, and I was still spurned. Was there no injustice in this? Am I to be thought the only criminal when all humankind sinned against me? Why do you not hate Felix, who drove his friend from the door uh, with contumely? Why do you not execrate the rustic who sought to destroy the savior of his child? Nay, these are virtuous and immaculate beings. I, the miserable and abandoned, am an abortion to be spurned at and kicked and trampled on. Even now, my blood boils at the recollection of this injustice. But it is true that I am a wretch. I have murdered and I have murdered the lovely and the helpless. I have strangled the innocent as they slept and grasped to death his throat who never injured me or any other living thing. I have devoted my creator, the select specimen of all that is worthy of love and admiration among men, to misery, and I have pursued him even to that irremediable ruin. There he lies, white and cold in death. You hate me, but your abhorrence cannot equal that with which I regard myself i look on the hands which which executed the deed i think on the heart in which the imagination of it was conceived and i long for the moment when these hands will meet my eyes and when that imagination will haunt my thoughts no more fear not that i shall be the instrument of future mischief my work is nearly complete Neither yours nor any man's death is needed consummate in the series of my being, and accomplish that which must be done, but it requires my own. Do not think that I shall be slow to perform this sacrifice. I shall quit your vessel on the ice raft which brought me thither, and I shall seek the most northern extremity of the globe. I shall collect my funeral pile, and consume to ashes this miserable frame, that its remains may afford no light to any curious and unhallowed wretch who should create another as I have been." i shall die i shall no longer feel the agonies which now consume me or the be the prey of feelings unsatisfied yet unquenched he is dead who called me into being and when i shall be no more the very remembrance of us both will speedily vanish I shall no longer see the sun or stars or feel the winds play on my cheeks light feeling and senses will pass away and in this condition must I find my happiness some years ago when the images this world first affords me uh, when this world affords first opened up upon me i felt the cheering warmth of summer and i heard the rustling of leaves and the warbling of birds and these were all to me i should have wept to die now it is my only consolation polluted by crimes and torn by the bitterest remorse where can i find rest but in death farewell i leave you and in the last Uh, and in you the last of humankind whom these eyes will ever behold farewell frankenstein if thou wert yet alive and yet cherished a desire of revenge against me it would be better satiated in my life than in my destruction but it was not so thou didst seek my extinction and that i might might not cause greater wretchedness and yet in some mode unknown to me thou hast not ceased to think and feel thou wouldst not desire against me a vengeance greater than which i feel blasted as thou wert my agony was still superior to thine for the bitter sting of remorse will not cease to rankle my wounds until death shall close them forever But soon, he cried, with a sad and solemn enthusiasm, I shall die. And what I now feel will no longer be felt. Soon these burning miseries will be extinct. I shall ascend my funeral pile triumphantly and exult in the agony of the torturing flames. The light of that conflagration will fade away. My ashes will be swept to the sea by the winds. My spirit will sleep in peace. Or, if it thinks, it will not surely think thus. Farewell. He sprung from the cabin window, as he said this, upon the ice raft which lay close to the vessel. He was soon borne away by the waves and lost in darkness and distance. The end. Yeah. Yeah. I have lots of thoughts.
1: (laughs) So, first thing, it's funny that the body horror is the stuff that resonated in the 30s when they made the movie. But the book is a slasher book. It's about a it's a slasher. It's a mo- it's mm-hmm. it's a monster. Um, and you had asked me a question early on. I'm going to say in my definitive answer, <laughs> they are both Frankensteins. Sure. They both had singular goals which mm. hurt them individually and hurt everybody around them. Mm-hmm. And even though they claimed otherwise, they were so blinded by the world that they were not even the yin and the yang. They were both yang.
0: They were like the same. Yeah, they're,
1: they're they're totally the same. So that's my answer. Is cool. the is the monster Frankenstein? Yes, absolutely. Is Frankenstein a monster? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they are both Frankenstein's, yeah. and they are both Frankenstein's because of the inability to move past what is right in front of them. Both Mm -hmm. of them could have taken different paths at (laughs) any other time. You know what I mean? But they were so gung-ho about their one thing. Um, It's also, I also appreciate the 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 question posed to the audience that you and and if other people listen to this and disagree with me, great. The book <laughs> wants you to challenge your own ideas, like yeah. don't just follow something blindly um I can see why this book has survived for as long as it has, yeah, um. And I am surprised that we don't have a Frankenstein miniseries because there's multiple episodes there. I mean, there's all the <laughs> horror stuff, but then I want to see, like, him in the woods and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: I think one of the interesting things to me when I read it, especially back in, like, high school, was, you know, you, you come to it thinking, like, okay, well, the monster, the the creature is the monster, essentially. And you kind of read through it all. And even through a lot of the book, you, you know, you get the moment when, when the creature asks Frankenstein to build him a new uh, mate and everything. Um, and you kind of get a little glimpse of the, like, oh, he's like, I'm so miserable. Like, I'm I'm so, so miserable. Hear my story, please. And then ha- take pity on me and help me. Um, but it's really only at the end where the book, like, he has his final speech and then jumps off the boat to go kill himself uh, that you're kind of left with this, like, oh, damn. Like, shit. Like, it, I I don't, I don't hate him as much. As I did, you know, like now I, now that I understand him, I'm just left sad. And, and that's, I think the point and why it does like, sort of like, once you finish the book, you, you like sit back for a moment and you go, ugh, damn, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The book is so filled with perils, but they're all perils of the individual's own making that at no point did they ever change course. If you will, they were so on that course Listen, there's lots of lessons in this story, David. Sure. Let's get to them. Let's do it. Lessons. It's we as a society need to be okay with people dying on adventures. They know what they signed up for, <laughs> oh okay? If you didn't know, you wouldn't have signed up. If you're going on an adventure, we need to be okay. And just know that there's going to be perils. We're sending people to Mars someday, David. I don't know if everyone's gonna make it. We just gotta be okay with that. <laughs> uh, I wrote, "Be the cap." A, g- a great lesson is be the captain of the boat. I don't give a fuck if what you, you think. I'm paying you. <laughs> Do the work.
0: If, if you can be the captain, yeah. Uh,
1: I think that this book I think this book really hit this home for me but I think it's true when I look back at history white people take it down a notch what the fuck are you doing okay settle down okay you've done enough harm everything you're doing is just creating more harm
0: I'm I'm glad you're just now coming to that realization
1: Uh, I wrote the lesson basketball players are monsters like listen they're not hideous gross things but their proportions
0: are are insane
1: they are hulking monsters that we watch just run Around, they're monsters. If I could ever say,
0: um,
1: get, get eaten on an island, get into the history books. I don't know uh, you
0: because you because you talked about he wanted to do something like, like notable. Uh, like find a new place or whatever oh, and you, right. you said how yes yeah.
1: listen if you want to get into history books go get eaten by some cannibals whether while be,
0: discovering a new land i, I
1: don't think know. so because the donner trail they the donner party oh, sure. they just ate each other and they're the history books cannibalism sure. equals infamy
0: sure uh, yeah i mean you might even get featured our, our like sixth episode of this entire podcast or whatever it was was about uh uh what was it long pig
1: that's right, David. Speaking <laughs> of things that we learned early on in the Bible, it's okay to marry your stepsister. I know we as society have like poo poos about it. Biologically, totally. It wasn't even fine. a stepsister,
0: it was an adopted sister. So it's like a whole other thing.
1: Uh, I wrote, scientists are witches. I know we don't like to think about it that way. Alchemists.
0: You think of them like yeah. alchemists and wizards. Yeah. They
1: play with fire and shit. They are fucking witches. <laughs> uh, y- you can't go so hard on work you got to have a work-life balance you really got to take some breaks in there if you burn the candle
0: at both ends you're not going to have any candles that is legitimately like an actual lesson from this book yeah
1: bone yards are science yards there are no ghosts there go get your hands dirty you get to be an archaeologist of people get in there uh, I wrote the lesson: Go big or go home. Don't fuck around with no tiny people. If yeah, you're yeah. making a hulking monstrosity, it is a hulking monstrosity. <laughs> uh, I wrote, and this is something, and I know some people in our friends group that I would say about this: Don't become a spooky person. You got to get some vitamin D in your body. You gotta, <laughs> shame, you gotta take care of yourself. Okay, don't become a spooky person
0: sure (laughs) david
1: this is not directed at you your room looks fine but i'm gonna let people know you gotta clean your room don't be a spooky person clean your room
0: yeah yeah okay
1: uh i wrote the i learned the lesson be careful what you wish for Mm -hmm. i feel like that stands out in this story Uh, i learned the lesson out of sight out of mind (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, there were a couple times like when he just like leaves the monster and it's just like oh uh, and that he's not in the apartment anymore. He's he doesn't even like well where'd he go? He's just like, Oh good. He's uh, not here. And see, he learned the <laughs> lesson of
1: take breaks, but I'm telling you that lesson right now. Yeah. Uh I, I wrote always have some good gossip to share. Listen, even if I don't sure. know the people that that's going on, just like tell me a tale. Like let me know that your life is messed up too.
0: I will I will let the the podcast listening audience know that uh uh Michael Santel and his wife are Probably the people in my mind that I most associate with loving gossip.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The two of you are like gossip fiends. She you goes so hard on it, I know. just have to oh, t- yeah.
1: turn my ears all the way to a letter. <laughs> I gotta listen to everything. Uh, I wrote, fingerprints are the calling cards for DNA. Like if you were like if you were like, Oh, here's my number, you would like give me your DNA. Uh, this is a lesson and if any of you are listening in a car right now and there's lights behind you. Never talk to the fucking cops. There's nothing good. <laughs> get a lawyer. Keep your mouth shut because nothing good is going to come of it. Yep. I wrote child. Uh, I wrote child murderers should get it. They are bad yep. people. They yep. get what's coming to them. Listen, I, I think that's fair. Regardless of what I think about this monster relationship with Frankenstein and that they're both Frankenstein, that little kid didn't deserve to die. That's sweet exactly young lad. Right.
0: Yeah. And and that kid especially was only killed because of how mad he got at the mention of Frankenstein's name. Right. Uh,
1: Well, and it's not only the names I wrote, don't judge a book by his cover. Everyone saw that hulking monstrosity and said, you're a murderer. So that's what he did.
0: You got to open the book and find out what's inside. Uh, what's inside this book was the story of a, of a murderer. Uh,
1: Thank you. Uh, I wrote fire bad. I wrote yelling at people and running away will hurt their feelings.
0: Sure, yeah, that happened to me at a junior high. My first junior high dance.
1: Save it for save it for another story time episode. <laughs> That's bullshit. Uh, I wrote uh, I wrote uh, the lesson poverty sucks. Um, I wrote the lesson dead animals make great gifts.
0: Uh, <laughs> if you're a cat. I, I
1: wrote, don't get talk shit-talking other people. See, gossip is fun if you don't know anybody. But if they're nearby, close the windows if you're talking about your fucking neighbors. Like, sure. listen, if I'm going to talk bad about Zipper, i got to make sure your headphones are on. I can't have him listen. He's got a friend <laughs> in the other room.
0: Right, right. I wrote, run away from
1: monsters. Uh, I wrote, I learned the lesson, don't help humans. They're bad people. What the fuck are we doing? They're just shitty people. Leave them alone. (laughs) Get out of there. Um, I learned the lesson, and this was in the story, that it's something I didn't know, that ladies don't have penises. That's why their bodies are different.
0: <laughs> well, Again, that's not necessary. I mean, you know, uh, uh, we talk about, like, gender and sexuality and all that kind of thing. Uh, they, uh, women could have penises. That's
1: very true. That's very true. In this case, though, back in the 1880s, it was a little different <laughs> of a story. Um, now, gender is... Gender doesn't matter for this next lesson, so whatever this device is for you, but don't destroy your friend's sex doll. If you, like, come over and it's, like, in a burning pile or something, <laughs> I'm going to be pretty
0: fucking insane. That was $5,000 down the fucking drain, my dude. Yeah, but it looks—it looked so hideously gross. <laughs> don't fall asleep in rowboats. Uh, yeah, I, wrote, that's, I think that's a real legitimate lesson. Like, don't do that. Why would you do that? Weddings are a trap for murder. Listen... I, I am a married person.
1: This is all going to end in death someday. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. Well, you
0: guys literally say that in the, in the oaths or whatever in the weddings, right? Uh, so we like... were talking
1: about Pokemon cards at my wedding, so I don't know. I know, I
0: know, yeah.
1: Uh, I wrote it, one of the lessons that this book hit home. You just be in the moment. Like, he was never happy with his love or his family or any of that stuff. He was always, stri- the, the, our, our main character was always striving for something else. Even the monster always wanted something else instead of mm-hmm. just being happy with the world that was around him. Uh, I wrote, get a seizure dog if you have seizures. They really sure. help things out. Yeah. Victor could have really used a friend in all <laughs> of this. Uh, I wrote, you gotta deal with your own monsters. Is the lesson that I learned from hey. this book. You might try to throw them on somebody else. It's just gonna cause ruin. You gotta meet them. Uh, I wrote, "Seeing is believing." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, "Revenge packs are like uh, are are a big revenge packs are." Are a big ice. I don't know what that
0: means. I don't know revenge what that means packs at all. Are a big ice. Are a
1: big ice. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking about. Is it that. A, was that?
0: A, do you mean a big ask? Like when he asked him to to carry out his revenge for him when he died?
1: That might be exactly what it is. That might be because okay. we're getting to, towards
0: the end of the yeah. book. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wrote uh, um, one thing I'll say about revenge. It's not necessarily from this book, but it's that old like proverb about revenge, right? If you're going to set out on a quest for revenge, first dig two graves. Right, right. One for the first person you kill, and then
1: the guy that <laughs> and then saw one you for doing the, witness the murder. That sees yeah. You. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I wrote a man of constant sorrow is a great song. Uh, <laughs> it is. But... <laughs> I wrote that the dark universe, the lesson I learned is the dark universe is a good idea on paper.
0: Like, when you really think about it. On paper, it's fine. And now, listen, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. But, like, like uh, uh, this book, when I was in high school, I went through, like, a little phase after this book, I think, where I read a bunch of the, like, gothic literature so, like, I don't know how many of them you have experienced, but, like, uh, Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll... Uh, I do like, know Dracula, and funny enough, it also starts out with a series of letters and letters, correspondence,
1: yeah. so I wonder what the connection is I think is Jekyll and Hyde also
0: two. is a bunch of, like, letters and stuff, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I read all those when I was in high school, too, so, like, uh, I could always bring those for some more spooky times. Mm-hmm.
1: I learned the lesson just like I learned in the back in the Bible that even post the flood, the Nephilim are still out there, David! They were true before... <laughs> before the flood and after the flood
0: not if we take uh the creature at his word uh because he went to the north pole built a funeral pyre and then burnt himself on it
1: that's true uh, even though the story is about a man i have to say that uh abortion is a woman's right you know what i mean sure. like we really got to keep it on the table he, a he lot of this story would have been would have been knocked out of the park if we never had it happen
0: he, uh, he did call himself an abortion. That is why you wrote that down. <laughs> uh,
1: I wrote the lesson, find a friend. Thank you so much. Listen, you never once talk about my hideous appearance on this podcast. I appreciate you being my friend. Uh, I learned the lesson that we really should be putting old people on icebergs. It's going to end okay for them. You know what I mean? They know it's up north. That's where they get to Valhalla. Uh, and then, of course, I learned, and it was right there in those, this whole time, Revenge is a is a dish best served cold, David.
0: I learned uh, yeah, they end in the ice, they end the snow. I thought you were going to say no body, no corpse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very true. And to be honest, Frankenstein 2 writes itself. You he, know what I mean? He jumped out the window into the darkness. We don't see him die. Yeah, and a, but and the men from the boat capture him, sell him to a freak show. He gets an, a chain around his neck. Um. I can see, you know what, I'll tell you this. I have a lot of respect for this story, for what it is, just on its own. I also now have a lot of respect for what they did with the movie. You know, they they took this idea, and this book could not be done in a two-hour movie. You know what I mean? No. There's months. and Not
0: like satisfyingly. Probably. No, yeah. not,
1: not. Well, now we got to watch Robert De Niro. Well, and, and, and and now
0: I just told it to you in about an hour and a half. So that means I really fucked it up. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. I, I don't think you did. I think you hit it on. But there's so much time and lingering in this and yeah. so much travel. Um, yeah. I can see that. W- I can see where they took inspiration from this book and put it into the movie. And that I really appreciate yeah just like i appreciate you david we have done 200 episodes of story time i can't believe I, it
0: i wish i could put like asterisks after sentences you say
1: i mean you can just do like <laughs> just noises or something notes. like that anytime i say something not factual
0: <laughs> we've done 200 episodes asterisk 204 uh. Uh. <laughs> It's been
1: a wonderful journey. I don't feel like I've lo- I have my friend on my journey. Let's do two hundred more. I'm I down. think, you know, I think that you know. it's funny is as, as as right before we recorded, David's like, "This is the first time I've told a non-anamorph story in two years," and it's like, yeah. it's not about that." I will say this though. Uh, You are the (laughs) sounding board for all of my great ideas. I think we can tell more stories, tell stories about each other's lives, even if we don't have a story prepared. I think that there is so many avenues that we can play with, but thank you for playing in all of these avenues. This is... I can feel all the Victorian-era horror stuff in this story. uh,
0: Yeah, and when you read it, it's like... You know, it's got all the language. You might have to reread a couple paragraphs to be like, wait, what the fuck did yeah, this happen? Yeah, and <laughs> they basically said they went
1: for lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. I mean,
0: even in that—I love that last speech that the creature gives, but, like, the the first paragraph and the last paragraph are almost the same paragraph. Like, it's, the, the, it's like yeah. basically yeah. saying the same thing a couple times. Well, but it sounds really nice. So. I appreciate this.
1: This is a little bit longer of an episode, but that's okay. It's a special episode. It happens. But I'm looking at that time, David, and my tummy is growling, which means I got to feed of my Frankenstein. So thank you all for joining us on this special so 200th dumb. edition of Storytime. <laughs> the one who is driven mad by his genius. Well, that's David Miller. And the misunderstood monster, that's Michael
0: Santel. I
1: just want a baby! I love you all. <laughs> thanks for joining us. We'll see all you kids and cats next time.
0: Okay, okay
1: bye. bye! That's our show. Thanks for coming round. Don't be sad. No need to frown. We'll have more stories. Don't throw a fit. Goodbye, one and all. And we'll see you in a bit.
0: All right. Uh, three. Two.
1: Wait! You what? didn't say your audio is recording.
0: My audio is recording. I was okay. About to do the, I was about to do the sync. It's
1: I know, but you have to first tell me your audio is recording. <laughs> then I know the My sync is coming. My audio has been
0: recording. Okay. <laughs>